Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of the Divine Rhyme, part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. If you could like and uh, subscribe on YouTube, uh, we also have a TikTok and uh, Instagram and Twitter account out the running hook to follow. We really appreciate that. But uh, on behalf of the Divine Rhyme, we got another week of Sturgill Simpson. Uh, really good week. We had probably two of my favorite albums of Sturgill Simpson, um, Sailor's Guide to Earth and then Sound of Fury. We're going to start with Sailor's Guide to Earth, but just overall, Hughes, how you doing? Um, and then what was, how, how, how was the Sturgill week? How was this week? Cause I had a, I had a good ass time. It was great, man. It was, uh, as I've said in the past, it's, it's different when you really dig into the lyrics, mm-hmm. like Sailor's Guide to Earth, listen to it a bunch. But sitting there reading some of those lyrics while listening to it, it was yeah. like uh, it was like I was watching a movie in my head. Yeah, it was really nice. It was a really good week. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I've always been. We talked about it being a big Sturgill guy, but something about um, summertime. I, I I don't know what it is about summertime that I think Sturgill always kind of finds his way back in my like playlist because I, I looked through my summer playlist last year, a lot of Sturgill in it. Uh, do you get those vibes with Sturgill? And if so, what, what do you think about Sturgill kind of gives the summer vibes? Yeah, man, I don't know what it is. Um, there's just some guys that mix well with that warm weather. And, you know, sometimes you take you take a little break from a guy, you throw him on, mm-hmm. you got the windows down. Mm-hmm. And, and I've talked about this a lot, but there's – music in general just sounds better. I think when you're in like a surround sound environment Mm -hmm. and like being in a car driving down the road, got some of that, that deep Sturgill flowing through you. Mm -hmm. It just feels different, man. It just feels different. Well, I will say he is, I just got a new car. We talked about that. My car broke down pizza delivery, put smiles on it. Long story. Anyway, got a new car. Uh, after I bought it, I'm like looking around, I'd already checked the trunk and stuff like that, but I, I looked a little bit more in the trunk after I bought it, 12 inch subs just sitting there, bub. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, are you serious? And so we'll talk about sound and fury a bit later, but I do have a story I want to share because I was driving back to Rushville like yesterday. So it's about a 60 minute drive, right? Um, or two days ago and the sun was out. There's not a cloud in the sky. About 6 p.m., sunsets hitting the whole drive. I just start sounding fury, um, windows down, and I'm just vibing. I am just absolutely vibing with the bass just hitting. It's I had it on max volume the whole time, and there's nothing like like you mentioned, man. I just turned it up front to back or first song to last song and was just cruising, listening to it, having a great time. And that that is that sound and fury kind of like summer vibe. And I think you kind of get that as well from uh, the first album that we're going to discuss today, Sailor's Guide to Earth. Hughes, what were your initial thoughts of this album? And then um, what, 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 what did do looking more into it? Like you kind of just kind of elaborate on you looking into the lyrics a little bit and how that added to the experience. 
Yeah, so like I said last week, I list, first listened to this album, I think 2019, um, like fall type of time. Uh, maybe it was spring. But, you know, there was like a handful of songs that really stuck out to me, obviously, and stuck with me. But there were some other songs where I just kind of passed over, wasn't a big fan of. Mm-hmm. And as I've kind of gotten more of a feel for the genre recently, a lot of the songs connect with me a little bit more. But reading the lyrics really opened up a different kind of field of view on what he's trying to say, because I have a much better understanding of what the album is actually about now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what what's his intent with this album? And man, when I got to the end of the album, especially and there's there's one song in particular I want to talk about, but I'm just sitting there like I got my headphones on. I'm I'm reading the lyrics and I'm just like enthralled. And like yeah. I just kind of had a I just had like a realization. that I don't think this has ever happened to me with music before where I'm just really like stuck in the story of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So. It was it was a much different experience for me, even though I already liked this album beforehand, to really kind of get a different perspective on on what it's all about. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll go a bit into that perspective a bit more. But do you think that as a message, um, you've listened to all the Sturgill albums, but as, a, as an album as a whole for at least a, a message, like a theme basis, do you think is this is his best at that? I would say so, yeah. Um, it flickers around a little bit and what, you know, it's not like one consistent theme throughout. He kind of bounces around to a couple of different things, but yeah, I think it, it did feel a lot more focused, mm-hmm. like the first two albums and then sound and fury, which we'll get to, um, uh, they bounced around a little bit more. Like it wasn't completely consistent throughout, mm-hmm. uh, exactly what he was saying. And also just the, the sound, on its own, I thought was pretty consistent as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, and I think this is why probably people like this album more than most is that it really feels like a complete project tied together. And, you know, most of the songs relate in some way or another. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about the sound? Like he throws a lot of instruments in there. And so like, it's not a country, but it's more country than sound and fury because sound and fury is definitely a rock album, but he has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, kind of sea esque, uh, instruments that kind of drive like the sea theme and it's weird. And I, uh, what were some of the standout songs, at least for you, um, musically, do you think? Yeah, that and that's one of the themes and the sounds I'm talking about is that like sea theme. Yeah, it's hard to I describe. Think- it's hard to describe, but it does just like invoke like feelings of like on a fucking ship in the middle of the ocean right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he gives a great feel for like what he's trying to display. And I mean, I think right off the bat with Welcome to Earth, you mm-hmm. get that because in the beginning, you know, you get the lighthouse kind of going off you hear some Mm -hmm. waves crashing and then all of a sudden he brings those strings in Mm -hmm. and i i think the strings that's what separates this album because i I, i've talked about this i love strings uh really like you want to put a whole orchestra out there like i'm down i'm down for that (laughs) because i i think that it's like the most beautiful sound you can make and he incorporates that into this album so well um and just the way that 
you know, he kind of sets that theme for you're really like out at sea. Mm-hmm. And like I said, welcome to earth. You know, it's kind of chaotic in the beginning and then it just feels really like smooth. And I mean, he changes the sound in that song alone, like three times. Yeah. Cause he has the chaotic intro and then he brings the strings in and then he kind of throws the drums in there and it's a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And it, it really just sets the pace for the album. Like, you know, okay, I'm going to get some slow strings and I'm also going to get some really high, fast paced drums. So I think that song was a great way to set the tone for the whole album because you get the entire sound of the album basically in the first song. Mm-hmm. Sonically, it definitely was. And then I think as well, uh, like his message, he, he, he sets it off really well. And um, this whole album is essentially like a, uh, a note to his newborn son, right? About kind of like the life that the life he's lived, the lessons he's learned. And it's kind of, it's interesting to hear this perspective because obviously Sturgill is so invested in uh, sharing a honest perspective with his son, right? That you really do find a lot of good lessons and a lot of metaphors um, to kind of the sea. And obviously he had uh, experiences with the Navy, which is like the basis of a lot of this kind of like sea story album. But um, right off the bat, you get him talking directly to his son, kind of sharing his love um, and setting up kind of the, the, the sea metaphor to life, which you get in this whole album. And so I, I'm, I'm going to start with, I'm going to ask you this question now and we'll probably come back to it a bit later, but what, I, I still don't know if I can figure out what he means. Like grandpa always said, God's a fisherman. Now, the, now I know the reason why, what do you have any idea? I didn't know what it was either. And again, thanks to uh genius for some help on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about how I guess in the Bible, Jesus refers to his follower followers as fishers of men. Um, so I think it's kind of about like just the, like kind of spawning your son almost mm-hmm. and, you know, making him a fisherman or something like that. It's, you know, I don't have it completely uh, nailed down still, even after reading their little annotation, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, that's kind of what Sturgill does sometimes. He makes you think. Yeah, it's definitely open for interpretation. There's no doubt about it. Um, but another thing that we kind of discussed in the last Sturgill uh, podcast is the fact, the spirituality and whether it's like religion or the openness with discussing like <laughs> topics about God and right away in this album, you get that as well. And so that's, that's definitely, I threw out the album, you, you get a lot of this, but um, right off the bat, uh, it's definitely on the forefront of Sergio's mind whenever he's talking to his son, right. About what he, what he wants to do. And so I don't know, the first song sonically just catches you. I remember the first time I heard this, I'd only listened to Sound and Fury and one of my friends, Michael, we were in the car, like driving, playing, uh, and he just played this song randomly. And I looked at him, I'm like, is this Sturgill? And he's, I'm like, what album is this on? I'm like, I got to listen to it. And that that's how it hooked me into this album. Uh, but definitely this song is a really good intro, especially um, when you compare intros from like country music to uh kind of hip hop, the ones that we've discussed before, because it's kind of, it's a different kind of intro uh, compared to a lot of the stuff in hip, like I mentioned in hip hop to where, um, but it still has that same effect that it kind of grabs you, you know? 
Yeah, and again, and we're going to talk about this throughout, but his ability to like flicker back and forth between genres is so amazing. Um, and you know, there's only there's only one song on this album that I really saw as like a country song. <laughs> the rest mm-hmm. of it, I think he does a really good job of of doing that, just incorporating different instruments and different sounds. And again, Sound and Fury complete flip on that. So, yeah, his versatility as an artist is amazing. And and in this album, he showed that perfectly. All right, moving into the next song, Breakers Roar, uh, another one of my favorites, another really good metaphor on um, kind of life and comparing uh, the waves of, you know, hard breakers in the sea to uh, the waves of up and downs that we all go through as like human beings every day. And this one, a a slower paced song, like you mentioned, uh, kind of switching up the flow, but uh, one that I really enjoyed and one that I always found myself going back to. Did you kind of feel the same way with this one, Hughes? Oh yeah. This, this is one of my favorite Sturgill songs. Mm-hmm. And next next time we get together, we'll talk about the the bluegrass version of this. Um, I, I love both of them. They both bring a different dynamic, but I think they're both great. Um, but this one is slower. Again, you got the strings in there, and it it's very calming. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you got headphones on or whether you're in a car. Like, it just you really feel enthralled almost in it, and like you really feel kind of safe like it's just Mm -hmm. a really like Sturgill's kind of speaking softly you know like it's really really comforting and of course you know the breakers were another another kind of sea Mm -hmm. phrasing um but you know he's talking about breaking through the illusions of life and you know he he talks about dreaming a lot yeah he does really really every album he talks about you know, getting drowned in your dreams or losing your dream. And this is just another example of that, how, you know, the world throws all these things at you and makes you think you got to do this or that, or be this or that. Mm -hmm. And it really just pulls you further and further away from that shore of where, you know, you need to be, you know, and breaking through all that is the key to, you know, being happy and fulfilling your dreams and all that. And again, this is a message to his son. So he's he's telling his son and uh, all of us too that, yeah. that you know you got to break you got to break down those walls and those illusions because that's not reality and that's not going to make you happy. And he's talked about love a lot, and I think this album more more than the last uh, two. You know, he's we we said he talked about spirituality, but more specifically he's talked about love um and he says open up your heart and you'll find love all around and the whole time he has these beautiful simple almost punchy-esque lyrics about kind of life and the look at it uh just kind of surrounded by the calm and soothing uh instruments in his voice in the song and uh, we you mentioned his versatility already but like that's that's what you get from Sturgill Simpson it's like he he delivers a great message but is able to kind of put the sound around it too he's got these high pitch I don't know maybe they're guitar strings you know kind of floating the whole time long high pitch that kind of just puts you in a in, in a calm like state of relax and then one of my favorite lines on this uh album as a whole is bone breaks and heal 
heals, but heartaches can kill from the inside. So it seems. What, what, what do you think about that? And uh, what's that mean to you, Hughes? Well, you know, he kind of answers this later in the album, but all, all of our healing comes from the inside. And, you know, all there's so many external things that hurt us, including people, uh, which he talks a lot about as well, uh, kind of the heartbreaks of life. Mm-hmm. But we have to heal ourselves. And, you know, we have that capability. A lot of people think they don't. A lot of people think they need someone to come save them or, or something to save them. And again, that's just another illusion mm-hmm. that we need someone else to make us whole. That is just not reality. We, we have the ability to fix ourselves. And I think that's kind of what he's trying to get at. Yeah. And then he ends the song with kind of repeating, it's all a dream. It's all a dream, you know, and that's again, going into uh, the shattering the illusions that you have about this reality or, or whatever it may be, you know, and whether it is a dream or what, whatever it is, the more you hold on to these attachments of your like previous thoughts around it, the more difficult it is, the more heavier it's going to be to weigh down on you. And so that's what I think he kind of is going for when he, when he mentions that it's all a dream, but next up, keep it between the lines uh, a little bit, a little pick up the pace a little bit. You know, and you get that a lot on this album. What do you think about this song, Hughes? Yeah, this one really hits you right in the face because you kind of got a lot of the slower stuff early on. And then pretty, pretty much instantly after Breakers War, you get that. Da-na, da-na-na, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, OK, we're mm-hmm. going to switch it up right quick. Um, so, yeah, this this is, uh, again, another you know message to his son, which kind of fades a little bit as we get later into the album. Um, He still kind of comes back to, you know, specifically speaking to his son. But, I mean, this entire song is damn near like a a don't do this to Mm -hmm. your son, to his son talks about, you know, don't don't go around, you know, bashing mailboxes and and selling drugs and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just kind of lay low and you'll be all right. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of funny cause it's a little bit different than, uh, the, the message he's trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of the messages, you know, don't conform basically, but this song is almost like, just stay between the lines. Like, you know, you're going to be fine. Obviously conforming doesn't mean, uh, not being violent or, mm-hmm. you know, committing crime, but you know, he's, he's kind of just like, you know, don't fall into the, what a lot of your friends are going to be doing. Like just stay between the lines. You're going to be fine. And we talked about how b- beforehand he, he kind of like likes to bring up these oppositional ideas back and forth. And that's a lot of what the great artists do, but it's almost in this album because he's giving like the direction, at least initially and specifically to his son, it's more of just like, you got to learn to balance these things. Right. You know, at one point you don't want to conform, you know, don't join the fucking Navy. But at the same time, don't go around, you know, selling drugs, doing drugs just because you're an anti-conformist a little bit, you know. And so that's I think that's that's a message I think uh, Sturgill kind of uh, gets into this album a little bit. And then the don't sweat the small stuff. Little outro. I love that. You know, I get that's what the small stuff. <laughs> but again, that's just that that's that goes on to the point of like what kind of fucking genre is this album, man? You know, that's not in a country. 
is not in a country. And although the sound is the sound of this song is probably a little bit closer to the uh, to country than um, some of the other ones, it's still it's still a Sturgill Simpson album. Sturgill Simpson, not country. And then he takes you right into sea stories. Probably one of my top. I get drawn to like a lot of the slower songs. Um, and so like in bloom uh, and then breakers roar all around you. Oh, Sarah. But for, for an up-tempo song, this song is probably my favorite on the album. Um, wh- what do you think about sea stories? He is. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And this is another one that kind of just hits you in the face. Cause when I was saying earlier, I, I think this is probably the most country song on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of the sound of it. Um, Honestly, it feels a little bit out of place sound wise, I think. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a bad song. It feels a little bit out of place for the sound that mm-hmm. he's kind of the tone that he's already set. Um, but again, for for the message, I think it's pretty important because this is basically where he gets into the Navy stuff mm-hmm. and about, you know, he falls. He ends up going to the Navy and, you know, he's traveling around all over the world and. He kind of joined because he didn't think he had any other options, and mm-hmm. it didn't take him long to realize that this was not going to answer any of the questions he had about life. Yeah, and this kind of sets the foundation, at least uh, for in the like kind of sea uh, metaphor. Uh, one of my favorite lines is after he lists all these places in Asia that he's went to, he's like seen the damn near the whole damn world from the inside of the bar. You know, and that's kind of one of the themes like the Navy says, you know, you'll, you'll travel the whole world. But the whole time you're doing like military equipment or getting drunk at, at, with, with, with the boys, because what else is there to do in Japan or Asia? I mean, I, I do the same thing. I heard they got pretty strong uh, liquor over there. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but- I mean, my brother was just in Korea for 14 months or a year or something. And. Of course, COVID threw it off, but I think a lot of time he was just in the bars too. So he didn't really get to see much of Korea. Yeah. But, um, and then uh, a real, real call out at the end of this song. Uh, but flying high beats dying for lies in a politician's war. Uh, and that's when he's saying that he may, although he might have had some regrets uh, for leaving the Navy, he's like doing his own thing, beats fighting for i mean who knows what and so uh that's that's sturgill you know he's not afraid to he's not afraid to ride the lines you know he says keep it between the lines right but my god that's a statement is it not used yeah man he he likes calling out these guys these politicians and and i love it Uh i love it because man someone needs to do it but uh yeah i mean it's again it's good to get that perspective from the from the inside because he was in the military and this is something we talked about last week when he was talking about the oil industry mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of giving a different point of view that most people will give. Um, so that, that's what makes his, you know, perspective valuable is a lot of times he's giving us a perspective that, you know, most of us are never going to have. And really in, in each album, I think he's found a way to do that uh, at least in a small way. But yeah, I mean, this, that's, uh, and it's not the, the first or last time he'll call out uh, our government in any form. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, I thought it was definitely a nice way to end that off. 
what what do you think gives him the confidence to do that because okay we've got that as, as a foundation in his first two albums that he released this one I can see like the love of his child, right? And he's trying to convince his child that like, okay, I care about you more than I care about this government, but you know, he doesn't shy away. And what do, what do you think, why do you think he does that all the time? And I, I think it does add to why a lot of people like him. Cause we talked about like genuinity with J Cole and other people, but like, he's, he's out there laying it all on the lines. Yeah. I mean, I just think that, you know, talking about conforming, a lot of people kind of just assume what our government does, especially in regards to war, is okay. And that's kind of just this tribal mentality as humans we have, mm-hmm. where we say, okay, our guys are going to war against this country, so we must be right. Like, this is, you know, we're going to support our side no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and and again, he's not the first to do this, but there's a lot of people like, you know what, we, we can't just assume because this is our side that we're right and that there's not some dumb meaning to this. And he talks, I think it's either in this album or the next one, he talks about, you know, going to other countries for their oil or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's, if you look back at our history, the past 30 years, a lot of, a lot of our justifications for war have not really been what they've originally convinced us. So I think he just feels kind of, it's necessary to, to show, you know, that just because these are our guys, it doesn't mean we're always in the right. It's interesting to think too, that. So if you look back in like the Vietnam era, the Woodstock kind of movement, the hippie musical movement was kind of like the, antithesis to that and then as you keep kind of progressing a lot of the 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 pressure put on uh, a lot of what the government does is done through like artists right and musicians and so why why do you think that's the case do you have a take on that and or why do you think that's the case i mean music is culture yeah and a, a lot of what society stands for is showcased in the music because that's what we listen to Mm-hmm. And it's really the same thing on TV. Like a lot of the ideas that we end up kind of adapting are it, it ends up ingrained in every form of culture mm-hmm. and it can be in sports. It can be in music. It can be in entertainment um, as a whole. But, you know, these a lot of people look at musicians as these. And I talked about this before. A lot of people look at musicians as some other level of human that is unattainable, but they are the same as us. They think the same as us. They have the same ideas as us. So Sturgill getting up there and talking about how, you know, politicians are liars. That's something a lot of us feel. And he's just has the music capability to put that into a song that sounds really good. Yeah. And that we don't at least. (laughs) If we could do it, we would, but we can't. So we just sit on and talk on the internet and he makes songs, you know, it's the same thing. It just sounds different. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Next one, Sturgill Simpson on uh, a sailor's guide to earth is in bloom. Originally definitely one of my favorite uh, tracks on this album. Originally uh, Nirvana track, uh, Kurt Cobain shout out. Um, I like, I, I, 
I listened, I, I heard this one first. Um, and then I went back and listened to uh, the Nirvana one as well. Uh, back in the day, whenever I first heard it, definitely two different takes on, on the song. Don't you think? And if, if you listen to uh, in bloom uh, and what do you think about Sergio's take? Man? Yeah. I, I did the same exact thing. And I actually heard, so I heard this song before I heard, cause I haven't listened to a ton of Nirvana and I heard that I heard in bloom by Nirvana on the radio. I'm like, that sounds a whole lot like Sturgill's song. Mm-hmm. And of course I looked into it more. I'm like, Oh, okay. I see. He did a remake. Yeah. And yeah, it's crazy because he basically adds one word into the song and it kind of changes everything. Mm-hmm. Like, so originally, you know, the chorus he talks about, uh, you know, I'll just read the whole thing, but he's the one who likes our pretty, all our pretty songs and he likes to sing along. He likes to shoot his gun, but he don't know what it means. Don't know what it means to love someone. And that last line originally from Nirvana is don't know what it means. So I say, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sturgill said that he always thought it was to love someone. And, it, and I listened back. I'm like, I could see how he, he heard that because I kind of could hear it too. But that little change changes the whole song, I think, because this this version kind of represents just some young kid that doesn't really know what he's doing in life. And, you know, he hasn't really learned how to love yet. So the way he acts is not going to really show love. And the Nirvana version, it feels it doesn't feel kind of as upbeat it kind of just feels like some some idiot kid that just kind of hear like well the point of that i think nirvana song is to show that people will kind of bob their head and and scream about a song no matter what it says mm-hmm. they don't really care what the message is they're just going to be happy about the song and i think that's kind of their point is that it doesn't matter what i say like you're still going to cheer and you're still going to sing along and all that but Sturgill's is a little bit more focused on love. And I just thought that one little addition kind of changed the whole meaning. Yeah. I, I know I made this uh, uh, like a Instagram fucking quote uh, or uh, whatever it is, whenever you post a picture and, or a caption, I was like, dude, I relate to that a little bit too much, but a couple of years ago, uh, but I do think it changes the song and it's like, uh, it almost like, you know, we could do all these things in life, you know, and we could try to put on this front of who we are. Right. But at, at the end of the day, I think what Sturgill's trying to say is you gotta learn to love everyone else. You know, everything else that you try to put on for other people doesn't matter uh, as much as, you know, living out of love and, and finding love. And so definitely one of my favorite songs, a, a slower track, um, really good, uh, really good, a, use of Sturgill's voice here on this track. Really, really enjoyed Sturgill's voice. Um, and one of my favorites on the album. Moving on to Brace for Impact, a little bit of pickup uh, and another good kind of, another song just kind of enthralled or just come enhanced by the message. And so what do you think about this one, Hughes? Yeah, I really like this one. Um, this is basically a memento mori. And we'll see this from musicians a lot. Memento Mori is a Latin phrase that is remember you must die. Mm -hmm. And it's something that has been used by basically every culture before ours. 
we could have a, note, a whole nother podcast about current society and how we're afraid of death. Mm-hmm. But, but basically every society before us from, you know, European societies, Asian societies, African societies, they all embrace death because that's the circle of life. Yeah. To have life must have death. So we shouldn't be afraid of death. We should be thankful for because without it, we wouldn't be living, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something a lot of musicians have kind of incorporated into their music because it's just a really good way to remind yourself that, first of all, nothing matters because you're going to die one day. You know, like if if you mess up today, like no one's going to care in the end. It's fine. But also it keeps you on your toes. Like I can't waste these moments because they could be my last. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I can't wait for our Mac Miller pod because that his, his final two albums are basically just an entire memento Mori, which, you know, of course him dying right after Yeah, it's like this, the symbolism is, it blows me away that that happened the way it did, but mm-hmm. We're going to have a five-hour pod on the last two albums, I'm sure. Um, But this is kind of Sturgill's Memento Mori. Like, you know, just remember that that you're going to die and, like, you got to enjoy life while it's here. And uh, I I thought it was a really important thing to add to the album. Yeah, and right off the bat, man, he just hit you with – exactly what you're talking about one day you'll wake up and this life will be over and that's it right there and you know and whether it's motivation or whether the intention behind it whether however you as an individual take it i mean it's right he just puts it right there for you uh and we talked about punchiness with sturgill in this last album and then a lot with schoolboy q but you know if there's like lyrically in the country or in whatever genre in the Sturgill Simpson genre, it is Sturgill is able to get, kind of bring out those punchy kind of, uh, but still content full lines, right. That kind of keep you, keep you involved. And that that's, this is a good example of it right off the bat. Um, and you know, he talks about death a little bit more in this, uh, this song talks about the great unknown in the sky and that's what it is. Right. And we can, I might, I might go on a little tangent though, about what, what you were talking about. Like, it's like, is it, is it the current society's fear of the unknown just in general uh, about death that kind of holds, holds us back? You think Hughes? Our society is scared of the unknown of any kind. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I think anxiety has become more and more of an issue. Um, part of it, I think is the techno kind of the technological revolution um, it's so much easier to compare ourselves to other people. And I think that has re- helped anxiety become more prevalent. Um, but we're just scared of not knowing what's next and, and our life could be perfect. And we're still, we don't still don't know what's coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people stress over that. And I understand it. Um, luckily, you know, over the past year, I've been able to kind of ground myself more and help live in the moment and I'm not really worried about what's next, but yeah, I mean, I think we don't like, we don't know what's going to come after we die. And when you think about it, it's, it's a little bit weird to worry about because we're dead either way. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where, wherever we go, doesn't really matter as much. Um, But it's an understandable fear because, you know, we, we live this life and, you know, some people think it's just over, some people think there's more and 
you know, we can't really prove either way which one's correct, but yeah, I, it's, it feel, it does feel like more of a problem these days. And again, I think technology has kind of increased that, but it, it's just interesting how the societies before us embraced it so much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our separation from nature has maybe introduced that fear a little bit more mm-hmm. where the society now is so built up on top of nature. It's like, we don't even recognize it's there anymore. Yeah. Um, and this is why I've talked so much in the past about how important it is to go out in nature and why at least once a week I'm walking along a stream in a full, you know, at a park or something, because it really helps remind you that, you know, this earth has been here for so long. And like this, this is what supports us. These buildings don't support us. These roads, like this is stuff that we added to make life easier, but it's just in addition. Mm -hmm. And these societies before us, I think they were much more connected to nature and, and nature is life and death again. So it's so much easier to understand that, you know, this is a cycle that continues to repeat and there's no reason to be afraid of it because this cycle produced you no. and it could produce you again, you know, depending on what you believe in. I believe it does. Um, obviously not everyone does, but I think our disconnection from nature has put us in this different world and this different mindset where we feel like we have to just continue to add to the material parts of this world. And, you know, we don't know what's going to come next after that, but really it's, it's, there's no reason to fear it. Cause again, we're here because of it and we have to die for the next thing to come to. Yeah. It's like, we're so focused on extending the nature of things, like making something, making a car that could last, you know, 25 years or, you know, making something that continues to, you know, stretch the boundaries of like limitations, right. When nature at the, as a whole time has just been a continuous kind of cycle. And I I could see how that would, as a society kind of cause a disconnection and just at least, um, you know, mentally as, as, as a whole, uh, just mindset wise, but again, a good, uh, Good take on death by Sturgill, kind of a, a hard-hitting punch to the gun song. Then right after he hits you with "All Around You," phenomenal song. Uh, again, able in this in this song kind of set the theme uh, sonically, which enhances the the lyrics and the message it sends. So, w- what do you think about this one? Yeah, again, this is a perfect follow-up. I think to that to brace for impact because the first verse he finishes off. You can let go of the pain if you choose to. Mm-hmm. And it, man, again, if you're in pain, it feels hard, but it is really that easy. Mm-hmm. And this is what I talked about last week is our pain is basically our attachment to things. And, you know, it's very easy to become attached to things and especially people. And, you know, sometimes letting go of those people, like that's the toughest thing, but, all the, there's a lot of things outside of people we attach ourselves to that do not matter. And it's, again, it just helps raise our anxiety levels because we're so focused on all these other things. And it really is just as easy as severing those ties between all those, uh, all those attachments and letting go. And, you know, you really start to realize after a while that 
man, like life really is beautiful. You know, you walk outside, it's cloudy right now. It's like, okay, that's fine. Like it's, it's going to bring the rain down. That's going to make stuff grow. You know, like it's, uh, you really do have a different perspective and you see the world in a different light. And it is amazing how much your mindset impacts how you see things. Because I mean, I've definitely been in the mindset before where I've just been really negative and everything that happens around you, you see is negative, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, of course it's raining today or, oh, of course there's traffic, you know, you can look at two different or the same situation in two different ways. Mm-hmm. There's always a, there's all, there can always be a positive to it. And, and the mindset is, makes a huge impact. And I think that's kind of what he's trying to tell people that you really can change how you see the world on your own. You don't need something else to help you get there. Yeah. You talked about like a cloudy day and that's kind of a good comparison to what a negative mindset kind of does. You know, it's just a cloud of negativity that, you know, every, everything out in reality is kind of the same, right. But you're just seeing through this cloud of negativity and it's, it seems tough to kind of let it go, but Sergio at least believes that you can, you know, just like that, if you choose to. Uh, but then he also brings up uh, some more spiritual topics. Um, Time slips away, uh, skies fall apart, uh, a universal heart glowing, flowing all around you. And so do you think that that's literal? I mean, or is it like a metaphor to something else? Yeah, I do. And this is what I talked about, I think, last week, too, that we are all contributing to one universal makeup of of human experience. And that's what's interesting now in my thinking is like, what is God? Right. And that's something I think Sturgill kind of questions too throughout his albums, you know, is God one being or is God everything? And it could perhaps be both, but that, I think that's kind of what he's saying here is, you know, we are all God in different forms, basically everything we see in life, um, especially the stuff in nature is it's all God. And, you know, we're all contributing to this universal heart, uh, and it's contributing to us. And, you know, again, I think the more you see the world like that, the more you have hope because even when bad things happen, you know, you, that bad experience is teaching the universal experience of humans to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could look back in history, a lot of the bad things that have happened, horrible things that have happened have made it. So those things don't happen again. Right. Yeah. So, so you can look at these things one by one and say, Oh man, that was so horrible. Like for example, what's, what's happening in, uh, in, uh, Surfside, California or Florida with this building that collapsed, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, probably going to end up being over a hundred people that died from that, but that that's saying, Hey, we need to stay up to code on our building inspections. Right? So how many thousands of people could this one incident save? Right? Mm-hmm. So you, you can look at the things and say, Hey, this is horrible, but what can it do in the future? And I think that's what the human experience is all about is teaching this universal heart or whatever it is that, you know, how to be better next. Um, So I I think that's kind of what he's referencing. And it's like when you have, um, when you look at these things, 
uh, in the negative mindset of like, oh my God, that's horrible. You guys are terrible for letting this happen. That's, it ends right there. That's where it ends and just anger and then back and forth. Right. But if you look at it from the other perspective, like, okay, it is very sad that all these people died. Right. Like, but you know, that's in the past. There's nothing that we can do to change that. Now, how can we construct like like buildings in the future uh, to, you know, make sure that this doesn't happen. And that's when the conversation continues, right. In comparison to just shutting down Uh, a little more interpersonal take between him and his son in the second verse. Um, There will be nights that go on forever. Like you're long lost at sea, never to be found. Just know in your heart, we're always together. And long after I'm gone, I'll still be around. I love that. Uh, And then he says, cause our bond is eternal. And so is love. And that's another line. That's just like, wow, this guy is talking about uh, this, you know, spiritual kind of nature of life. Uh, and kind of wrap, connecting it all back to love, right? Yeah, and and that's something that he talked about in that first song too, Welcome to Earth, where he said, I'm not always going to be there, but just know that, you know, I'm with you. And the times I'm with you are when I'm happiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when we get to the next song, it's going to be more of that. I think his, he has a very unique take on love I've never seen before where – he's a lot more willing to discuss the time where you're away um, from the person you love. And I think it's, it's important because, you know, their love is not constantly the same, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of a battle sometimes. Um, And sometimes that could be because of, you know, some sort of strife or it could just be because you're not together. Um, And the way he describes that in this album in particular, uh, I think was amazing. Yeah. Let's go on to the, uh, the next song. Uh, another one, just back to back, kind of like slower tempo. Oh, Sarah, one of my favorites on the album. Um, also well done in the, uh, bluegrass version, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and this is, uh, not to his, not to his son. The first song that's kind of not super 100% directed to directed to his son yet his wife and uh i mean just this whole thing is just packed with like his perspective right to uh to his wife and how she makes him feel and how he feels when he's not there but i just feel like every single line is something that we could quote and talk about he is yeah i think this has become my favorite song on the album Mm -hmm. i i've been listening to it this week and i'm like man Like, so first of all, you get the whole first minute is just this beautiful strings setup, And it really kind of paints that, that quiet, slow picture for you. Yeah. Like you're on a beach. It's like you're on a beach and the, and the, and the tides coming in and out, you know, it's, it's, it's weird how he's able to do that musically. Yeah. And it's like, God, man, again, you put some headphones on. It's like, you're just sunk. Like Mm -hmm. I was sitting at my desk last night just reading these lyrics and I'm getting like goosebumps. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a movie in my mind. It's just so good. And Mm -hmm. again, like you said, every line is quotable. It's like it, this is, this may be his best like song from a storytelling perspective that he's done. Mm -hmm. And, and again, this is, this is one of those uh, Sunday Valley remakes. Mm -hmm. Sunday Valley was the group he was with before he went solo 
Um, a lot of the stuff he's done since then has been remakes. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad for that because there's like basically no, there's no proof of existence almost of Sunday Valley. There's mm-hmm. a lot of live YouTube shows, but yeah. not like an actual album. Yeah. So it, it's, I'm glad that he redid this one, but man, it's like, again, this is what I was talking about with, with the, the two sides of love. Um, and it kind of reminded me of the promise from Meta Modern Sounds where, mm-hmm. again, he's talking about, you know, I'm going to mess up, but I'm still here. And like the love is going to keep us together. Um, and the dialogue he has in this song between him and his wife is just so good. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you to what's your what's your favorite quote from this song? I'm going to go with um, I can't get past the pain of what I want to say to you. Uh, I'm too I'm too old now to learn how to let you in. So I'll run away just like I always do. That's probably my favorite quote. What about you? Yeah, I mean, first of all, right off the bat, again, you get this whole minute of musical setup and then he just goes, oh, Sarah, here we go again. You know, yeah, it's like it, it, it kind of just automatically sets the stage for what's coming yeah here Um, we go again (laughs) yeah and i love that intro as well but i always i thought this was a really good couple lines so forgive me if sometimes i seem a little crazy but goddamn sometimes crazy is how i feel yeah and like it almost uh it almost like gives me a different perspective on just how people People act. I've tried to kind of empathize more with how people react to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think it's so easy to judge others for, well, first of all, we expect people to act a certain way, right? And if they act differently, that's where we get mad. And that's what he was talking about earlier with letting go of the pain, right? Like we set, we set expectations for other people. It's not their responsibility to act that way that was our expectation and we should not be mad at them because they acted differently. Um, and this, this line kind of made me think a little bit differently. Like, you know, someone may seem like they're acting crazy to us, but what's driving them to be crazy, you know, it could come from a good place. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what he was trying to say here. It's like, you know, I'm acting crazy, but it's cause I feel crazy because you know, this love has got me in a twist or whatever. Um, so it kind of gave me a little bit different perspective. And I thought the way he said it again was a pretty accurate representation of how we act sometimes. I'm going to piggyback off that line, too, because if you're writing a love song to a girl, man, I don't know how better you phrase it than and my brain starting to spoil down the drain of this old world. And there's only one thing, girl, I know is real. And then he goes, it's a love that I feel in your arms and just keeps complimenting. I'm like, God damn, no wonder this, no wonder the Sarah girl is, you know, still around Sarah because my God, that's how, that's how, that's how you uh, relay your emotions onto a fucking uh, song. My guy, <laughs> my God. Uh, and then he kind of picks up the tempo again for the final track on this album called arms. Um, kind of an ironic song, uh, but definitely a vibe. Hughes, what'd you think of this one? <laughs> Yeah, again, this is like a, a giddy up type of song. Giddy uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a fun one to end it off. And again, this goes back to the military um, and, and some of the negative parts of it. Uh, more more government bashing, which mm-hmm. I'm always here for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 
and again, this is basically straight to his son. Uh, don't join the military. That's the takeaway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was a nice way to, to kind of wrap up the, the handful of messages that he's put into this album. Yeah. And so what, what do you take from this album as a whole before we move on to um, Sound and Fury? Well, so in this outro, he says, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the news. There's nothing to see here. So I think it's it's a mixture. And of course, you know, the next album right up, picks up right off that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just about how we distract ourselves. So I think with a lot of external things, and again, he talked about it earlier with some of the illusions of life and it really kind of just falls back on a message that he's consistently had in his music um, since around this time that, you know, everything you need is inside. Mm -hmm. And again, love pierces through all this bullshit that we see in the world because love you know, love is beyond earth. It's like mm-hmm. a universal uh, thing. So I think that's what he's trying to drill down is, you know, a lot of the pain and the stuff we see on this earth is basically, it's just not, not worth worrying about. Um, and focusing on love, that's going to cure all the, the woes you have. Yeah, I definitely agree, Hughes. And I agree that he kind of picks up to an extent on this next album. Though sonically, uh, you want to talk about like a 180, man. Uh, Sound and Fury, definitely a hard rock album. Not even just a normal rock album, a fucking banger rock album. And you get that right off the bat with Ronan, uh, a four minute long like guitar and drum solo, man. What did you, you think about that, Hughes? Because I fucking loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, again, a very um, different, different Sturgill. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't think we've ever heard electric guitar out of him. And all of a sudden, that's the whole album is it's really like rock. Uh, yeah. It was it was an interesting way to start because it's, you know, just a little bit of like a well, he starts off in a car, right? He mm-hmm. turns the car on. He revs it up. He's got the radio going and and again to pick up off the end of a sailor's guide is, you know, it's just the radio basically fear mongering mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, trying to kind of scare you into this whatever ideology that these people want you to have. And and he just shuts it off. He hits the gas, man. He's gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. I thought it was a really nice way to set the tone for this album as well. Yeah, dude. And we talked about like how last the last album sailor's guide to earth sounds like you're on a fucking uh boat in the middle of goddamn nowhere uh just listening uh maybe drinking with a couple buddies uh and then at the end of it you go to the room and you got your family (laughs) but this next uh, this next this next album immediately kind of puts you in uh i'm going on a fucking cruise in the fucking country and i'm turning this shit all the way fucking on which is what all the way up which is what i did uh, a couple of days ago and it was great, but you know, he sets a tone for this album really well too, with that kind of car, uh, intro. Um, and like that, that's what this album is. It's a cruise and just fucking jam out album, which I am 250% here for. Uh, but then remember to breathe. Uh, and my favorite part about this song is it kind of, they, they go, it goes together with the first one. So you can really listen to the first song 
and this one like uh, just a single song because at the tail end of Ronin that you get this high pitch like Japanese fucking whistle man and you're like what what's going on with this whistle and then uh you get this song and it changes the tempo and then he starts singing so what do you think about i guess the the true intro to the album yeah it was uh it was interesting and the uh i was trying to figure out exactly what he's trying to <laughs> trying to talk about and genius's take is that it's like kind of out late night cruising for hookers mm-hmm. uh which i could see i guess from the lyrics i don't i don't think i 100 percent want to commit to that is the meaning i'm not sure that's what it is uh or he may kind of paint it that way but i think i'm wondering if there's something else um but yeah i again it's it's interesting um I, I don't think he's ever really talked. Well, he's talked about temptation before and kind of falling into that. And that's overall what I was trying to take out of this is maybe this is like, you know, him falling into temptations and kind of realizing it's wrong, but also like not judging himself for it too much. Um, but this is definitely a much different take on that than he's had in the past. Yeah, I think it's also, um, you know, I don't think this song is as important for message wise, because I think he's still trying to kind of set the tone sonically for the album. Right. And so he wants just a hard rock sounding song to uh, after the first after the first just guitar solo. You're like, okay, this is what we're here for in this album, a fucking rock album. And I think that's what he was kind of you know going for he he tosses there is a little bit of message just like kind of let everything happen right remember to breathe just lay back let it happen you know and so whether it's about a specific kind of like uh thing that you're doing or just in general uh but i think it was more important to kind of set the tone as um for the 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 rock kind of foundation of this album and another thing that i i like about this album specifically is not necessarily the, the songs don't necessarily like connect like right it's not the end of one song transfers into a different song but the songs pick up like the start of a song you're like oh shit it's a new it's a new fucking guitar new little melody and we're going again and that's what you get in sing along the next one uh you know high tempo uh, hard hitting drums uh so what do you think about sing along yeah, I had to pause this album a few times when I was taking my notes because I'm like, damn, like I can't keep up with this. Yeah. It's like it one song ends, it's immediately into the next song. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, I need 20 seconds here to collect my thoughts on that last song. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was one difference because I mean Sturgill, I think, is most of his songs have been fairly slow and like kind of separated from each other. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get some time to gather what that last song was about before moving on to the next one. But this one is like, we're going to go straight into the next thing. Um, And yeah, again, happens right here too. And, you know, this, again, this is not something that's new from him kind of talking about heartache and, and uh, having to fight through that. But it's, it's kind of interesting, uh, a little bit different talking about, how uh you know basically well he's making a song for this chick and i'm wondering if if this is all for sarah like Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know how much heartache sarah's caused him in the past but uh uh at least they ended up together but you know it it seems like 
a lot of the time. I'm trying to find the line, but he talks about it all being worth it to see you smile or something. Um, and I kind of wonder if like he had a point where he just didn't care about himself at all. Like he was completely investing himself in whatever girl he's talking about. And, and his absence from her life made her happy and that made him happy. Uh, it was, it's kind of an interesting, interesting look into his mind on that. Yeah. I thought this song, um, you know, this album, it's definitely a more sonic album. Wouldn't you agree? You know, it's yeah. about the sound. And so, you know, he's 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 talking about these these themes of heartbreak and shit like that. But at the same time, he's the chorus is like followed by this. I don't even know what it fucking is. If it's like just a bunch of guitars layer that just like smash, you know, and smash into your fucking ears. And it's like a synth as well that goes up and then down and then up and down. And the whole time I, this is one of the biggest, like, you know, foot tappers on the album where you're just sitting around the whole time and just banging your fucking heel into the fucking floor. I know at least I was, Um, but moving on to the next one, uh, a good look, another one that just picks up right away. And so do you think that you think that that kind of adds to the rock aspect of the album? The fact that you don't, you know, get it. He starts it off with remember to breathe, but it doesn't give you much time to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of one thing about rock is that it's it's always time to rock, baby. Like yeah. we're, we're, we're not <laughs> we're not uh, we're not taking any time to stop here. Uh, and as someone that grew up on rock, that definitely reminds me of my childhood of just like one thing to the next, you know, that, that guitar is always slaying. It's always slaying, dude. And that's (laughs) what I love about this album, man. That guitar is always just on a fucking, you know, just strum, man. I love it. Yeah. And, and I would love to see another rock album from him just to kind of see, uh, what he would change. Oh yeah. But but I, I mean, I think for a first effort, I think it was really good. And he basically captured everything you look for out of rock. Um, the one thing I wasn't a huge fan of is kind of the way they altered his voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what what it was, but his voice sounded different. It, it wasn't really like a natural thing um, through a lot of it. There's There's something I can't even put my finger on what exactly – they may have changed, but it was a little bit also the music is a little bit too dominated by the sound. I think. Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of, a lot of his previous albums, he's found a way to match his voice with the guitar and the other sounds So perfectly this one, it's like, it's loud all the time. And his voice almost feels a little bit backgroundish. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just kind of an interesting, uh interesting way he did it and i think again if he did it again he might change how they implemented his voice into the music yeah um like you said i think that just goes a bit to the like the the intention behind like i'm gonna make a rock album and i don't give a fuck you know yeah. uh whether there was pressure from and he's talked about in the past having, having pressure from um his label to make you know whatever they they want him to make and so i, I read a i read something about his his process behind this, making this album and i think he had just had surgery or something like that and he couldn't really move and he was in a bed just listening to old records like old rock records like stoned out of his mind because he didn't want to um 
he didn't want to do any painkillers or shit like that. So he just got high and he's like, dude, I'm going to make a fucking rock album. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to make a fucking rock album. And so that's, I think, I think you kind of get that. He's like, I don't give a fuck. He was high as fuck one day. He's like, all right, I'm going to make a fucking rock album. And I don't give, I don't give a damn when anyone wants to think about it. And it turned out probably being one of the best in the last 20 years. Um, and so I want to talk about make art, not friends. And I have a lot of feelings about this song. I want to, I want to hear what you got though. Hughes, if anything, to start us off. Yeah. So if, I'll just say, first of all, this is definitely my favorite song on the album. Easily, easily. So um, good. I, I think it's because I connect to this a lot. Um, this is something he talks about throughout the rest of the album is that, a lot of people will attach themselves to you if they see you kind of moving upwards. And as he has continued to move upwards in the music scene, he's seen that more and more. And I think he just got to a breaking point where he's like, these, you know, people are fake. A lot of these people that come into my life or that have already been in my life, they're here for a check, right? They're here to attach themselves to me in some way. Mm -hmm. And he feels the most fulfillment when he's just staying home and making his music. Um, and, you know, not, I'm not going to compare myself to Sturgill Simpson, but, you know, some, and not to say that I've seen that in my life where people are attaching themselves to me for some sort of gain, but I just, when I'm home doing my thing, that's when I feel best. So like, that's where I connected to him where, you know, being around friends and family is great. But sometimes just being in your own space, doing your own thing uh, uh, really does kind of make you feel the best. Um, and that's why it connects to this song. And again, different reasons. But uh, I thought this was a really interesting take because a lot of musicians talk about people, uh, you know, trying to attach themselves to them for clout, basically. But this was a little bit different of a take on it. Um, and I thought it, he did a really, really good job with it. Yeah, it's him being genuine. And it's almost like him talking about how it's affected him negatively. You know, it's him saying like, this is, I mean, he gets to the point where he says, I love saying no to all the yes men just to see the look on their face. Right. And he's like, I love how everybody knows what what's best, but um, nobody knows their place. I'm like, dude, Jesus, start to please quit speaking to my soul. Uh, but this is definitely one of the, the, the the slower tracks on the album uh the more somber tracks but what about that build-up hughes i mean about a minute and 15 you talk you want to talk about build-up if someone wants to talk about build-up i say play make art not friends because you got 15 a minute and a half of like what the fuck is going on right you just got a bunch of like different sounds different notes just being played like whether it's piano or I don't even know what it is. Maybe a good electric guitar, just a quieter. And then out of nowhere, you just get the song start. So what did you think about that? I know that's, it kind of reminded me a bit of um, the first, the first song on the last album, Welcome to Earth, right? Where he just kind of switches it up. But I, I, I just know the first time that I listened to the song, I think I went into my car and played that fucking beat drop over about five or six times because I couldn't get over it. <laughs> Yeah, there, he's proven to this point he loves a good buildup. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's not afraid to kind of make it mishmashy. Mm -hmm. um, again, Welcome to Earth was a good a good comparison because it's just chaotic. It's like 
you're standing on the beach in the middle of a thunderstorm, you know, it's crazy. And then all of a sudden he reels it into this beautiful little, you know, piano. Um, reels and this, it in. I love that. Reels it in. Yeah. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't try for that one. Um, and, and this one, you know, it's, it's different cause it's obviously uh rock and it's a lot, it's kind of naturally chaotic almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he reels it in is he just, all those little instruments kind of come into one. He's like, you know, Mm -hmm. he gets it, he gets it started. Um, So I love the way he does that because you have no idea what's coming, right? Like, you know, after that minute or minute and a half, it's going to change, but you don't know how or when. Yeah. 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 Or when. So, you know, it's, it really keeps you on your toes and it's like, no matter how many times you listen to it, like it still feels really good when you finally get to that destination. Mm-hmm. And again, I think as far as sound, that's one of the things that kind of separates him from all these other guys. Absolutely. Definitely one of my favorite songs on uh, the album. Um, then you get into best clockmaker on Mars, uh, kind of another song looking, talking directly to uh, his wife and talking about more interpersonal relationships with this family. What, uh, what, what do you got for this take? And how about like the comparison? Like what the fuck is a clockmaker on Mars, man? Yeah. So again, shout out to genius, even though I will say this album, the least assistance from genius. So I had to do some critical thinking mm-hmm. on a lot of these songs. Yeah. Uh, Cause apparently no one knows what the fuck he's trying to say with mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> Classic Sturgeon, man. Classic. Yeah. So a lot of critical thinking involved, but for this, luckily they have someone, I guess the show Watchmen haven't watched it, heard it's good. Um, but this guy goes to, to Mars to exile himself and he builds a giant clockwork ship, which he uses to help, contemplate his future and uh the future of humanity so i think i think he's trying to kind of talk about uh you know using solitude to look back on his life a little bit or maybe project his life where it's going uh i mean you know he talks about again to sarah wanting to grow old and die with you and make babies and all that stuff so that's kind of where you get the looking to the future and maybe kind of just putting his life in perspective a bit. Um, Cause he's talked a lot about the struggles of his life and, and all the bad things he's gone through. But here you kind of see him almost forgiving that past um, and starting to look ahead to the future. Well, looking ahead to, um, excuse me, all said and done. This is a different kind of take on rock, almost like a Pink Floyd kind of vibe, you know? I don't know how much you've listened to Pink Floyd, but it's got this kind of dreamy kind of intro. Still, you're um, you're still got that rock vibe, but um, you know. And then he starts it. It's a little bit of a slower song, and he goes, "Spent the last year blown out of my mind." And it's just kind of like a, I don't know what that is. Whether it's like piano, but you got these high pitch kind of like notes that make you feel like you're almost in outer space or something like that. So what do you think about this one? Yeah, I will say when I was younger, Pink Floyd was not my jam, but I think the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated their sound um, a little bit. 
And yeah, I, I kind of see that comparison with this song. And again, the the thing with this album is it really is so in your face with the music. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of rock is like classic rock is a little bit more tethered. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's a little bit more uh, kind of in control. And this one, it's just, it's just constantly like, we've got this lever going, we've got that lever going, we got synthesizers coming in and out, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a very, even for rock and, and I think this is technically classified as alternative, which alternative is just the genre that they can't figure out what it is. Really. I've, I've discovered it's, Mm -hmm. it's when you have, uh, it's like when they can't really place it, they're just going to call it alternative. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll and, call it alternative. <laughs> yeah. That that's, that'll work. Um, and I guess that's fair for this. Cause again, I think even though it's definitely rock, it's still a unique sound to rock because there's a lot of combinations of sounds that are pretty unique. Um, so it's like, that's why, the more you listen to this album, it's like, it feels like rock, but it doesn't at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's like a mixture of rock and something else. And yeah, this song is a good example of where you're just getting uh, a mixture of different things, but it never sounds bad. And again, that's, that's where I give all the credit to Sturgill is, you know, he got high one day and decided he was going to make a rock album Mm -hmm. and he just throws things together, but they sound so good. Yeah. I wish I could get high and be like, man, I want to start a rock album and then make one as good as fucking this thing, man. Uh, but at least, uh, what about lyrically in this song? You know, he's had a lot of internal conflict in the past and I think his openness about that and writing about his own internal conflict has helped to kind of, you know, share his perspective, right? But this song, I just feel like him going this whole time, he's going back and forth. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and the chorus, obviously being pulled a million ways all at the same time. It's enough to make anyone go insane. Uh, when you find yourself forgetting all your own rhymes and giving up the dreams floating around inside your brain. I mean, and whenever he sings it, it just sounds like, like Pink Floyd. Right. And so it's like really like, like, it feels like you're kind of in outer space and you're like, man, this guy's like talking to me, like straight to me. Right. And so what, what do you think the internal conflict in this song kind of does? Yeah. And if you look at the end of this album, like the last four songs are kind of similar theme. So it makes me think this is kind of the theme of the album, uh, even though he's talked about different things up to this point. But again, he's talking about, you know, these opportunists and how a lot of people are, trying to pull him in certain ways because they want to benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you know, going back to make our not friends, it's kind of that he's like, I'm not going to help any of these people get to where they want because they're going to drag me down the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think again, you know, you know, best clockmaker on Mars again, he's kind of saying like, I want to get away from all this and, you know, live in solitude because people are just trying to take advantage of me. Um, and yeah, I thought it was, again, he talks about dreams again, uh, all these people trying to get what they want out of him. It's gonna, it just floods your mind and it makes you forget all your rhymes and all the dreams you have. Yeah. Uh, so again, an interesting perspective and again, not a new one from a, a famous artist, but definitely important to talk about, I think, because again, a lot of us look at celebrities as like these people that are just not people 
because they've attained a certain amount of success and fame. And, you know, they're the same as us. They've just been successful in a different way. And everyone wants a piece of that success. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's got to be tolling, you know, on a person to just constantly have people coming at you for this and that. And this album almost makes you think he wants to like give up because he's so sick of it. But he yeah. also talked about, you know, wanting to keep rising. So it's like an inter again, that's kind of the internal conflict I think is that he he's sick of being pulled all these ways, but he also wants to be the best, you know, artist of all time or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you brought that up too, because it definitely is feel, feels like he's releasing all of his anger that he's dealing with out on the fucking strings on this album because he's talking about this at the same time and you got that fucking electric guitar that's just smashing the whole time and it sounds phenomenal but it's kind of it feels like not necessarily an angry album but it, it is one that you're like okay let's fucking get up let's you know set set someone's house on fire which he talks about in the next song last man standing standing and you're right it's like it's it's got it's started to become a toll on him but i feel like this album is him just releasing all of that kind of um you know that anger but in the next song he says it's fuck y'all season don't give me a reason to watch your house burn to the ground and light my new joint off the flames i mean my god sturgill that's savage uh what do you think about this one (laughs) yeah this this one was great Cause you know, he's talking about the military in the last time. I just imagine him coming out with like a fucking bomber taking all these bitches out and he, <laughs> he's the last man standing baby. Like yeah, he's going to burn your ass down and he's going to use that flame to light his own joint. I mean, what a fucking line, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I can appreciate this because a lot of people kind of pussyfoot around uh, defeating people almost but he's like, nah, fuck it. Like they've been, they've been trying to take me down for too long. They've been trying to hold me down for too long. Like I'm burying these dudes and I'm, I'm rising to the top. Yeah. And this one, uh, the last one on the album that you get is just like kind of overflowing rock, right? Like this one is the last one where you're like, man, I can't even fucking keep up tempo with the song essentially. And, uh, you know, the, the album kind of takes a more, um, less aggressive you know careful approach i'd say but this one is just him saying like i'm the best and i'm gonna fucking show prove it to you all in this fucking song uh but moving on to the next one mercury and retro gay probably one of my top three on this album uh just a vibe an absolute balance i mean the lyrics are good uh there's a lot in the in the lyrics but this song more more than most on the album i think is a really just catchy almost radio kind of song uh obviously they probably won't play on the radio though so what do you think about mercury and retrograde and was this one of your favorites would you say yeah it's definitely up there um and just by the title i knew you'd be a fan of it of course uh charlie you got you know what about you know what it's about (laughs) (laughs) and i just learned what mercury and retrograde actually means last night so that kind of put in perspective uh you know the why he put a title for this or why he put that as the title mm-hmm. uh you know again like so mercury and retrograde i'm sure you can describe it better than me but it's basically some sort of optical illusion where it looks like mercury is like moving an opposite way than it actually is mm-hmm. and i would love to read more about why the hell that happens that's like 
I, as someone that loves space, that's like fascinating to me that how that happens, but people have always taken that as bad luck. Um, mm-hmm. and when Mercury's in retrograde, it's like supposed to be bad luck. Well, um, Mercury, Mercury is believed in astrology to be like the ruler of communication. So whatever your planet, wherever your whatever sign you're born in Mercury kind of rules your communication. And so whenever it goes backwards, whenever you see it going backwards, it's like a, a lack of communication. And so for example, the, with our most re- recent Mercury in retrograde was like the three week span where we didn't record a podcast. And then the day after it ended, we recorded a podcast. So, um, it's just kind of interesting how that worked, especially with us talking about Sergil. And then the day after Mercury and Retrogate ended, we kind of started back on our podcast. And so there's a bunch of different ways to look at it, but it is kind of like, okay, things are breaking down so you can like learn more or, you know, kind of start reinvigor, start it out. So not to give, I mean, that's, that was, Hey, that was Will's astrology corner for the day though. So. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm, I'm open to learning anything, man. So that's, I'll have to start marking these retrograde periods down and, and, uh, I can blame all my problems on that, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what he's talking about. Like he's, he's like, Oh, you know, life's kind of shit lately. Mercury must be in retrograde. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I thought it was again, interesting. And, uh, I, I'm wondering if there's any more astrology inspired music in Sturgill's, uh, up his sleeve. I'd be interested to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've, I've looked around for it. I think it was a little bit about being a Gemini in there. Uh, but other than that, but another, my favorite line in this, uh, there's a lot of really just like one, good one liners in this song. Uh, but Mercury must be in wretched gate again, but at least it's not just hanging around, pretended to be his friend. And there's that perspective that keeps coming up right in the last album in the last couple of albums uh, or last couple of songs on this album it's like shit i mean uh, this guy's really this guy's really tired of all the bullshit like all bullshit that people um is tossing around and then another line in the chorus the other two lines in the chorus i want to ask you about hughes says oh the road to hell is paved with cruel intention uh if it's not nuclear war it's going to be divine intervention which that's uh, that's that's a great line but um w- the quote is always i thought uh of the road the hell is paved with good intention so he's kind of like switched it up there what, what's your take on that hughes yeah i thought that was fascinating too uh and again as someone that contemplates what uh what the point of life is mm-hmm. um here and there it's interesting because i've come to the conclusion you know that the the point of humanity is to kind of just figure all these things out on our own and we have free will right so we we can do whatever we want and there's going to be temptations along the way but like the the idea is that we turn as many of those bad uh intent or those bad you know temptations away and stay on like the good path that's lived you know, that's lived out of love and, you know, all that, that I've talked about at length. So it's interesting. He talks about this because this is kind of aligns with what I think that, you know, good intentions is what's going to push us forward, right? Good actions and all that. And again, connecting himself to this, he sees all these people coming to him with cruel intentions and like, it just gives him a different perspective of humanity 
mm-hmm. uh, and what what they will do for their own gain. So he's kind of you know saying like if if we continue down this road, if society continues down this road of driving ourselves to these people with with this earthly fame to help ourselves get to that same point, you know, there's going to be a divine intervention, which is basically like God saying, all right, we're fucking done with this shit. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> this free will thing, maybe not a good idea. Uh, so I, I thought that was quite an interesting take uh, on, again, it's, it's a little bit different from what he's already talked about. He's already talked about people being bad basically, but this is kind of more of like a macro uh, take on what he thinks the world's going to come to. Yeah. Piggyback off uh, something you just said. I think a Billy Strings line came to mind where he's like, fear not the day that all is lost, that all is lost. This earthly wealth ain't worth the cost. I'm like, God damn it, Billy. Sing it. Sing it, Billy. Uh, but Mercury Investigate, one of my favorites on the album. I think one of the songs that initially I heard, I was like, fuck, okay, I'll give this album a chance. But what, a, but all right, the final song of this album, man. It kind of it's it's kind of full circle uh, to the the first one, heavily guitar dominated, and then at the end you get that Japanese kind of high pitched fucking um, whistle or whatever that kind of ties the whole album, brings it all back together. Uh, but this one probably another the top three on the album just because. Uh, the guitar, we talk about the hard hitting guitar, the whole album, but this one, I, I just feel like it, you know, takes another step up. I mean, what, what a better way to end the album than with, you know, another kind of long uh, guitar, couple riffs. So. Yeah. And it's funny because this album is like 40 minutes long and this song is seven of those yeah. minutes. So you get a bunch of short songs and then you just get one really long song. And again, a lot of it is the guitar riffing. Mm-hmm. which uh what's not necessarily new at this point because again as we described he's done a lot of riffing to this point but this one is just next level it's like yeah. it it really it does really kind of close the chapter of that rock sound of just going all in on mm-hmm. the guitar um and as far as like a, a lyrical standpoint again kind of wraps up what he's been talking about in the most recent songs uh where he's just like, I'm, you know, I'm going to the top. Like, I'm not going to let anything hold me back anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, it, it kind of ties all these perspectives together where he's kind of reminiscing a little bit about his past life. Um, but he's also looking forward and and he's he's figured out what he thinks he needs to figure out uh, about the world. And now he's just going to he's just the fastest horse. He's going to outrun his shoes. Like he doesn't care. Like he's leaving all that behind. Yeah. And the, the long kind of drawn out notes that he sings just adds, adds to the dynamic of this song. And this whole song, we talked about how Sturgill loves build up, but what I like about this song, and I, I mentioned the Japanese influence a little bit before, but um, so Sturgill apparently was in Japan um, around the time of recording this and he wanted to fuck over his, um, record producer of course because he's Sergio simpson and who doesn't want to do that shit so he had like one of the best anim- anim- anime like animators in japan do a uh netflix animation that 
attaches to this album for like $20 million. And uh, so it's on Netflix if you want to watch it, like a visualization, really kind of interesting and definitely adds to the Japanese uh, influence, which at the end of this song, all the guitar buildup that you get builds up to this final, like what's about to happen. And that's when the Japanese kind of whistles come back up and it's da, 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 and then it ends and i'm just every time i get to that moment in the song and i'm just like that's like the point in the album where you're just like shaking your head and then it, you just like let it all like out like ah. <laughs> but um this is definitely one of my favorite songs of the album and the good way to end it like you said build up to kind of like the final uh, rock chapter of his career, at, at least until this point. And so um, I want to ask about the comparisons between these two albums, because obviously sonically they're, they're different, but I kind of feel like they're almost two sides, the two extremes of Sergio Simpson, right? Um, where you get like musically uh, creative, heavenly driven, and then you get this just absolutely rock side, rock banger of the, an album, kind of like back to back. And so what, what do you think of that, Hughes? Yeah, I mean, again, from a sound perspective, it's like amazing what he was able to pull off because he just goes, again, like you said, this really heavenly kind of slow at times vibe that, God, man, it's like, it just feels so good to listen Mm to. uh, And it feels so comforting. And then you get the rock where it's just so in your face and it's so loud. And it's like, either way, you're really enjoying the music. Mm-hmm. And again, there's not a lot of artists that can show both sides. Like a lot of, I'm sure up to this point, Sturgill felt like he was a country artist mm-hmm. and he kind of wanted to show the world that, you know, he has a few different things up his sleeve. And Hey, by the way, I can also make bluegrass, which we'll yeah. talk about next time. Yeah. So, you know, again, his put all these sounds together and make them sound so good and so unique, uh, I think was tremendous. And from a, a theme standpoint, the message, again, messages twine, but sound and fury felt a little bit more brash, almost like a little bit more. Um, there wasn't as much focus on love, right? It was kind of talking about some of the, the negatives of society and what it can drive a person to almost, uh, which is, I think, important in kind of getting to a place of love as well. So I thought it was an interesting uh, kind of flip on what he usually talks about. And again, in, important in putting the whole puzzle together. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to look at the cover art as well. And we talked a little bit about cover art in the past, but, you know, A Sailor's Guide to Earth is just a, a, a blue cover with, uh, you know, you see the waves and you see, uh, a boat in the middle, you know, um, the moonlight over, and that's like the vibe of the album, you know, it's kind of calming and soothing. And then you look at uh, the red uh, car fucking flames of sound and fury, and that's what you fucking get from it. So I think it's interesting to kind of look at that as well. Uh, but moving into next week, we got Cutting Grass, which look at that album cover yellow and green uh blue grass reminds you of grass and then he's on fucking lawnmower man he's just cutting grass and that's what i love about that that is like sturgill simpson to a t uh so like we mentioned two albums cutting grass uh the butcher shop sessions and what's the other one do you know the name of the other one 
because he, he did it in two different parts. He's like the butcher shop sessions was the first one. And the other one is they did it somewhere else. Anyway, it's essentially they're all remakes of songs that he's done, a couple of new ones. Um, looking forward to talking about that, Hughes. You looking forward to a couple couple albums of bluegrass for the next couple of weeks? I mean, I'm going to be up in Michigan, so I, I, I'm going to be blaring some bluegrass. <laughs> I'm ready, man. Like, I... I have put bluegrass listening to a pause for uh, the past couple of weeks because we've been doing the early Sturgill, but man, am I ready to get back into it? It's, there there's just a, there's just a draw to it. It's like, Oh, he does such a good job of it. And again, um, these songs are all songs that we've heard before, but they're just a completely different take. And again, some of it is the Sunday Valley stuff. So a lot of the stuff people really haven't heard before. It seems like a new song, but it's really not. But again, a lot of the songs that we've discussed the past two weeks are going to be on there too. And again, different vibe, a lot more upbeat. You throw the banjo in there, it changes everything. You throw the banjo uh, so in there, it changes everything. That's an all-time everything. quote. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Breakers Roar especially. Again, mm-hmm. two different sounds completely, but both really good. Um, so, you know, that's just one example. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. As am I, brother. Uh, anything else you want to throw out? Let me throw a couple uh, plugs in there, actually. Thank you for the Running Hook, Net, Hook Network and AB for allowing us to do this podcast. Um, go check out Lynn's Sanity, Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. We got anything coming up uh, Coming up there? Yeah, well, we're recording tomorrow, uh, so I'm assuming it'll be out Friday. I don't know when this episode will be out, but it'll probably – we're going to be talking about, obviously, conference finals. Suns, congrats on making the finals. Yeah, no, Very happy about that. Chris Paul was uh, quite excited last night, so that was nice to see. Uh, and then, you know, Bucks and Hawks, that one still got some time to go, so we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, we got some, uh, you know, off-the-court news, too, to talk about, as always. So it'll be another good week for us. Check them out. Also, we got Triple Option Podcasts on the network. Circle City Cinema just released a new pod. Um, Dinner Dorks, DJ Deke, uh, Facts and Stats by uh, J.D. Hall. Go check that out. As always, by Dylan, our, uh, the published author on the podcast, From One Young Soul to Another by Dylan Hughes' book. Hughes, no golf, no majors this weekend, but is there anything else you want to end us on today? uh not much i do have a and you know it's it's a good weekend because i'll actually be tuning into some european tour action okay what do we uh, got on the european I, tour i i try to catch it every once in a while but you know the uh we've got rory and tommy fleetland and a couple of the other guys out in the irish open yeah i did uh, see that yeah. so you know when that whenever you got the big tour guys going to the european side uh i like to tune in and see what happens there so uh, keep an eye on that. And then obviously there's a tournament every weekend. I think this weekend they're in Detroit. Uh, so, you know, just, just, uh, it, it doesn't matter what the stakes are, man. I just love seeing a good golf shot. Okay. I don't care what country <laughs> they're in. I'm trying to see a good golf shot, man. So it'll be a good weekend. And a good course. Uh, I like looking at all, all the different courses too. The layouts, yeah. You know, par threes and stuff like that. Um, Looking forward to what's the next uh, major? Is it the the open? Just the open championship? Yeah, the open I think is in two weeks, maybe. Okay. So 
we'll have yeah, we're, uh, we're a little there. golf talk. Yeah, we'll have a little golf prep at the end of next uh, next and make picks for the Open. Um, oh, so yeah. it's been a fun one, Hughes. Again, Sergio Simpson. Looking forward to another couple of days with that. But I think uh, I think that's it for the Divine Rhyme. Thank you for listening and uh, have a good week. <laughs>